Hello and welcome back to Cast Iron, the podcast all about metal. It's been a little bit longer than I'd care to admit, um, but we are back, hopefully in more regular installments for the future. Uh, this week we are listening to Slipknot's Iowa. <laughs> So this is a very special episode of Cast Iron because we have a special guest star with us. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, hi, my name's Jess. I am the guest star on Cast Iron this week and I will be talking, helping you guys talk and listen to Iowa by Slipknot. So what do you do? What do I do? Um, so I do a few things. Um, I do a lot of social stuff. Um, I do all the social media for five, uh, a magazine you may have heard of called 5 out of 10. Um, and I also do sort of other socially things, um, fill my time pretty well, um, like listening to metal, going to gigs. It's a good start. Yeah. And, and of course, we're also joined by none other than the inimitable Lewis Clark. Hello, hello. All right, it makes sense that Jess does the social media for 5 out of 10 because that's why there's loads of Mega Drive stuff on there now. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I get yeah, it, we... I get it. <laughs> we um, we just got back from Australia and we were there for three weeks and um, about a day after we got there, Jess's dad produced his old Mega Drive. Excellent. Um, yeah, it was, it was out, out of his man cave with all the, what do you have, all the Sonic games and Turbo Outrun and things like that. Excellent. So, uh, oh, very, very happy to hear about that. I was saying we to were, Alan as well, like it was nice to hear someone who has a nonna as well because that oh, yeah, doesn't happen very yeah. often. Um, yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, basically, uh, it, y- 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 your nan in Italian is nonna. <laughs> and, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and so I have an Italian we, nan as well. So When we were in Australia, my nonna had her 93rd birthday. Oh, so wow. That's bit of awesome. A bit of an amazing milestone. So oh. It was great to be back to celebrate that. Great innings. Yeah, it was, yeah, no, it, was good to, it was good to meet everybody. Although there was one bit when um, Jess's nonna turned around to me and just went, Hey, you, what's the big idea? <laughs> I don't know if that meant stay away from my granddaughter, but uh, <laughs> it was it was certainly insinuated. <laughs> that but typical anyway, Italian. Are, uh, uh, yeah, they're not they're uh, they're not very subtle, are they? The Italians. Uh, yeah, they? They, they, they don't they don't mince their words, and I, I can appreciate that. I like that um, a lot. Anyway, so let's carry sadly on. today we are not in Australia. We are in Iowa. Um, so we actually we went to see Slipknot back in February. Okay, um, T- tell me London. a little bit about that because I've never seen Slipknot live and I kind of don't want to now that Paul and Joey aren't in the band anymore. Okay, well... I'm a little bit precious about this lineup in particular. So I didn't really like Slipknot until about a day before the gig. <laughs> um, so Amazing. I'm probably not the best person to ask. Um, mm. I don't know if it lived up to your 15-year-old metal fantasies. Well, or... see, I've, I've actually seen them before. So I saw them back in 2010 in Australia at Soundwave. Okay. Um, and as Alan said, you know, 15-year-old fangirl here. Mm. That when, um, when we saw them in London... One of my friends in Iowa, I think it was when um, one of the tracks off Iowa actually came on. We basically just like turned to each other. She's the same age as me. Because yeah, everything yeah. ends. Yeah, it? everything ends. We turned to each other and just started screaming the lyrics <laughs> into each other's faces because it was like, you know, being 15 again back in our, you know, bedrooms listening yeah, yeah. To, to angsty music. So, um, <laughs> so I think it's, it's interesting because I'm obviously coming from a point where, you know, like, 
grew up listening to this yeah, this kind of stuff and it was interesting to sort of take Alan along and um and you, get, you get sound like I was the old guy you know <laughs> whenever I used to go see him when I was 16 and see all the parents that uh, with their arms folded at the, the side of the gig um I mean I I, I really did, did just start to appreciate their music about a day before the gig mm. um and I I mean, in terms of the albums I liked, I quite like you know, Volume Three and All Hope Is Gone. Yeah. So, but um, one of the reasons we're covering Iowa is because it is 15 years old as of August. Oh God, I didn't even realise it was an anniversary. Yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah, no. I was 15. I'm 30. It's a real year of milestones. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I have a very similar thing with Jess. Like, I grew up with this album. I think um, at the point I was listening to rock. Um, when this came out, I was probably listening to things like Limp Biscuit and The Offspring, and someone, <laughs> yeah, someone gave me a copy of Iowa, and I didn't know what to think of it initially because it's such a dense record; it's so yeah. heavy and like overbearing. Um, I just I didn't know how to like absorb it. <laughs> it's such a weird record to like come into off the back of like something so approachable, I suppose. So um, do we want to do we want to go straight into the album or maybe before we do that, I thought we should talk a bit about what new metal actually is because Slipknot are sometimes called a new metal group. And yeah. I think what they would probably say is, well, we're just metal and it's because we came along at a similar time to your Yellow Biscuits and Papa Roach and those kind of bands. Yeah, so yeah, true that. I think like by, but I do think after having listened to this today, that there actually are new metal-y bits to Slipknot. I mean, to me, new metal, I've made a couple of notes. Um, I think the first thing is, there tends to be quite a lot of non-standard rock instrumentation. So you've yeah, got yeah. The kind of hip-hop turntable-y bits. Yep. Um, you get vocals that are rapped rather than, you know, mm-hmm. new metal kind of came as a response to yeah, things yeah. like grunge and stuff like that. So it's obviously a really different style of vocal delivery. The other thing about new metal is, it's kind of crap. <laughs> and I mean, and, and what I mean by that, because you know we're, we don't we don't judge people. What I mean is that it it doesn't have a lot of artistic integrity to it. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's pop, it's to pop be, music mixed yeah, with heavy music. Yeah, totally. Mm. It tends to be quite you know it's it's commercially driven. It's radio mm. friendly. Um, I've also written that, that it perpetuates a notion of rebellion that feels kind of false. Yeah, like yeah. whenever you hear Fred Durst rapping about how hard it is to be him, you're like, yeah, he's a multimillionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um, true. And Especially with Lincoln Park, I think they're. I think Linkin Park are probably the best of the the new metal grips. Actually, I think. Oh, uh, like, I'd, I'd argue. Corn, I, I think. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just. I just never get into Corn, but I think. I think like Hybrid Theory is quite a good album. Actually. Yeah, um, it's a really solid record. One of the things that Linkin Park have now had to do, you know, 10, 15 years later, is they're trying to reinvent themselves as a serious rock band. Yeah. Yeah. So off the back of that, you've got Slipknot, who are. At the same same sort of time frame, they're becoming popular. Um, their music does have a lot of instrumentation, term tabling. It's very percussively heavy, yep. um, but I think it's also a very different thing. And actually, I think Iowa is a lot heavier than their other albums, and it, re- it has a lot of influences from like technical death metal and things like that. It's yeah, not yeah, just. Um, I'd say that Slipknot's first album was to- was definitely the one where they were sort of heavily influenced by like new metal scene at the time. There's a lot more mm-hmm. obvious turntablism on that one, and more rap mm-hmm. vocals and things. And there's the 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 sort of compositions a little bit more like a rap metal record, um, even though it's still a very heavy album. Whereas Iowa is sort of the first step into sort of absorbing more genres of metal into their sound and yeah and, and as a result it kind of becomes a heavier record um so yeah i'd say 
artistic merits, I suppose, <laughs> uh, comes with uh, Iowa a little bit more than the first one. But it's not not to say that I don't like those albums for different reasons, but yeah, there's definitely more of a... Uh, I don't want to say progressive element to it, but there's definitely more of a just increase in like accomplished songwriting on this one in particular. In, in particular. I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit more developed. Yeah, that's um, that's the word I'm looking for. And one of the things I found in my Wikipedia travels was that the producer was saying that he, like, you know, Slipknot were kind of the first album really captures their energy, mm. and they are known as a really like you've seen them twice, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. know, but they are a really like. I think if you could describe their live music as anything, it's definitely energetic. Yeah, very yeah. good at bringing the crowd in. Um, and uh, there's a couple of choice one-liners because we were talking about this earlier, but what the songs make you feel like doing in this album. But I think that the recording of this album captures that energy, but it also captures a bit of the technicality that the first one doesn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting record. And again, like it was such a weird thing to take in initially because it was so like just the noise of it is just so intense in comparison to anything else i'd heard at the time um but it's a surprisingly memorable record considering how much is going on at any given point i think i think we're gonna have um we're gonna we're gonna reach a point at the album at which i i'm no longer capable of remembering it yeah, um, yeah. no that's fair but certainly there's certainly plenty to talk about in the first half so mm-hmm. um so we will dive right in and Go the on, first then. song is five one five Which is just an introduction track, a little bit of uh, texture and atmosphere, a bit of noise. So I, I kind of famously hate intro tracks, which <laughs> yeah. get on with the music. But actually, um, I think this is quite effective as far as openers go because it's short. It's certainly not easy listening. It is just a guy screaming over yeah, yeah. a loop. Um, do you know um, the story? The do you know the story behind the screaming at the start? Um, because it's um, actually, it's not Corey. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I do, what? I do know this story. So it's a, it's a Sid, the turntablist, mm-hmm. and. Um, he, if I remember correctly, he, his, I think his grandfather just yeah, died. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's screaming the word death. It's at his grandfather's passing. I'm pretty sure. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the story behind it. And it's yeah, it's basically him getting his grief out essentially, and um, it makes it a little bit more harrowing knowing like that backstory, um, mm-hmm. because it is just, yeah. I mean, like the sound of his voice is just like grief stricken. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a. It's an interesting introduction, it's got to be said, but yeah. Well, I'm, it, I'm glad I didn't slag off that guy's grief then and said it was quite a good opener. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, like I say, it just sort of sets up proceedings and then we launch into the first song proper, which is People Equal Shit. Oh yeah, we should probably say uh, there's, there's probably going to be some uh, language in this. Yeah, um, there's going to be a fair old bit. Do you remember when we started? Do you remember when we started this podcast and we tried to make it like kid friendly? And then after a while, like, nah. I think it was because we were. I think it was they. It was, be like language warning, and yeah. that's fine. <laughs> this it's, podcast contains language that some people may find offensive. It's but, annoying uh, because like this era of metal in particular is a lot more aggressive, and there's a lot more open sort of like ah, uh, you know, curses are fine. Um, whereas <laughs> I think like as the genre, like, just just metal in general has progressed, um, there's a little bit more sort of thought put into like vocals and things and and, and lyric writing i think like mm-hmm. definitely sort of 
nowadays feels a little bit more like okay let's try and actually say something of merit you know yeah i think like my my overall thing about this is i think that musically it's pretty good but i think lyrically it is pretty bad yeah um, yeah and i mean not being funny Corey taylor has never been a great lyricist in no, general but no. but i think that this is kind of what slipknot at that point in time was all about yeah and absolutely people yeah, yeah. people equal shit for me sort of encompasses this album because yeah. it is it is just that angsty kind of like and i i completely agree with the the lyrics absolutely meaning nothing yeah, yeah but i think that in a way that's sort of what's really good about it is because you know we um were reading through the lyrics this morning actually when we were listening to the album <laughs> yeah, yeah. again thank, thank god we got that new really, apple tv really yeah. fantastic <laughs> feature on the new apple tv i'm not getting pet yeah but it's, it's really no it is it is really quite good and just looking at them like what the hell are they going on about like this yeah. is absolute rubbish but i think that yeah that's that's I, what it lends itself yeah. to I, I, quite, <laughs> I mean it is it is misanthropic music yeah 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 absolutely and it, it is it, it is it's it's misanthropic and cathartic and that's one of the weird things about we talked about slipknot live and one of the things about seeing them live is i thought like the crowd were really good and yeah i think london london gig crowds can be hit and miss yeah absolutely and, uh, um but actually like i thought that the crowd at slipknot were very good and although they were moshing they were able to pick people up it was closer to I always find metal gigs in London aren't as good as punk gigs. And if you go to a punk rock gig, like if you, you know, we went to see like Offspring and Bad Religion this yeah, year. Yeah. But every time you go to a punk rock gig, people mosh, but they always pick each other up. Yeah, yeah. Whereas that, metal I mean, gigs, they don't, they just stomp on each other. Yeah, and I, Slipknot was a bit closer to that punk atmosphere. It felt violent, but not unsafe. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's that's nice. That's a nice, nice thing. Because like, that's the, like, when I grew up going to metal shows and things, like, like I don't know, 2001, 2002, that was very much sort of like the atmosphere. Um, so it's nice to see that sort of reciprocated like now um, but yeah what I'll say about like the vocals one last thing is that I think they're intentionally obnoxious to go with mm. the fact that the music is very overt and obnoxious as well you know um, yeah. so I, I it doesn't bother me too much and uh, there's a siren happening thanks for that uh, <laughs> just, add, just add to <laughs> just the vibe just, add, just, yeah. just, just use it use it <laughs> So yeah. So um, so people equal shit. Well, one of the one of the good things about it is that, um, as I said, I think this this reminds me more of a, a tech death style rather than new metal. Yeah, it's very yeah. drum driven and percussive. Mm-hmm. One of the differences between this and the first Slipknot album is that they've really turned up the snare in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and although you've got quite sludgy um, riffs going on, yeah, and it, yeah. it's it's got that kind of yeah like. Yeah, definitely sludgy rather than groovy riffs. It's that 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 down-tuned new metal sound, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know, drop F or some shit. (laughs) No, that would be, yeah, we'd drop, probably drop C or B. I was thinking the F would be heavier, but that actually would be, that would be up-tuning, wouldn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it would probably drop C, I would say. Yeah, Yeah, something like that. um, But it is like, I really like the the drum driven style of it. I like that it's uncommon and Slipknot's music is more percussive yep. uh, rather than obviously, you know, led by either strong rhythm section and bass or a lot of metal is essentially riff led. Yep. Well, I think that's one interesting thing just to say about the the live aspect of their shows as well because it is very percussive mm. driven, you know, ho- having nine members and I think that um 
I was reading an interview that Corey did a few years back and he was saying that that was one of the things like when they were recording, it was very, very hard to keep everybody on track. Mm. But in a live show, it works very well because it's obviously that paired with all of the, the cool pyrotechnics. It's really an amazing kind of sight. And I think a song like this really lends itself yeah, yeah. To, to that kind of setup, which is really cool. It's interesting because like, um, if you listen to the album, it's there is an awful lot happening at any given point and it's it's mm-hmm. layered it's very textured and atmospheric and it's not something you would have thought could be produced live but be, but then you f- remember that there's like nine members and they've all yeah. got their own thing going on there's a samplist there's a turntablist mm-hmm. there are additional percussion like, and their main members. songwriter is actually uh sean the clown yeah the- yeah He's actually the main guy behind the band. I know you always think it's, it's Corey Taylor, but it's not. It's actually him. And I think mm. that is probably why it sounds so percussion and rhythm heavy. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. like, um, I'm trying to think of other bands. Uh, Dream Theater, their main songwriter for many years is Mike Portnoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that comes across in the rhythm of it. And they're another band that have drum-led tracks, but in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really interesting setup. And I actually watched um, the last live DVD Sicknesses uh, this week, just to sort of like prepare myself a little bit for this as well. And I do really like the way the additional percussion is sort of like used to emphasize a lot of the toms and bass drum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just creates like this lovely sort of chunky wall of noise that's just like, it really emphasizes the, the rhythm and the groove to the songs. And it's it's... It looks a bit daft if you were the first, if you if you if you looked at like Slipknot for the first time you'd be like what the hell is going on here, but um, in practice it totally works. It's a strange thing that like you wouldn't have thought would work so well, but um, yeah, it really does give like, give a lot of emphasis on the drive of the song, and uh, yeah, People Equal Shit is a great opener. It's got to be said. I think. Um, I think it, it, it is good. It's an un- unfortunate name. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, there's a lot of cursing in it. Obviously, the the the, the actual title of the song gets repeated an awful lot, but it's also very memorable. Um, again, like it, there's something about Slipknot in particular that I think that makes them very approachable, despite the fact that they're so heavy. Is they're so memorable. There's there's they've always got hooks, which is not mm-hmm. something you ni- you really sort of associate with metal. Um, and I think that that really sort of it, it doesn't surprise me why this went UK number one like this album because it's just like it there are so many memorable tracks on it and for such a heavy record to have that sort of consistency is pretty impressive I think yeah I think when we get further into it um, yeah yeah we'll, 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 we'll have that no, discussion we'll, as we get there. yeah we'll yeah, definitely yeah. have that discussion <laughs> there's, a, there's a point at which it shifts and I think it is a bit too front loaded yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. so the next track is Disaster Piece <laughs> Oh, so, so this is a bit more groovy and moshy. Yeah. Um, again, we've got some really technical drumming, and we, it is a bit of a sonic assault. You, you talked about how it's a wall of sound, and mm-hmm. there's a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But again, like, it's such a catchy song. The chorus, I like the noise, it's noise, it's oh, so yeah. good. I love this song so much. Disaster Pieces is one of a highlight for me. Um, they played this one live, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they named their first live DVD Disaster Pieces as well, um, which is why I often get the bloody name confused. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the highlights for me. Um, it's a really memorable song. There's a lot going on. And it has the... Uh, 
synonymous slipknot line for me. I want to slit your yes. throat slit your and, throat fuck, and the fuck the wound. The wind. <laughs> I want to push my face in and feel this wind. Oh. Oh. Which horrible. fun fact is the most is the most violent line yeah. to ever feature in an album that reached to number one in the UK. <laughs> yeah, I think really? I yes. can agree with you on that one. Totally. <laughs> wow. So pushed yeah. out, pushed out, Craig David. Then <laughs> his, his seven days of sex, but that was with a live a live person. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh no, it's it's one of my favorite songs of the album. Um, yeah, it's, and it's really very good. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I mean, there's not too much to say about it. It's a very I mean, we we've the structure of the songs is very similar, especially in the more intense tracks to things like People Evil Shit. Um, it's you know we've got incredibly heavy build up, um, really intense verses, and then like a really memorable chorus that sort of ever so slightly sort of strips things back a little bit, like instrumentation wise, so that you can really focus on the vocals. Um, and that's kind of the Slipknot way, I think, if throughout the, a lot of this record. One of the things that this song does um, that. It's almost like a precursor to some of their later stuff as there is a shift near the end where you get more clean vocals, the drums are subdued, you can hear the bass coming into the mix. Yeah, and yeah. It, it allows for a bit of vulnerability. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. No, and, I can see that. And there's not a lot of that in this album. And I think one of the problems for me is that I like that that is built into that song, but I don't like whenever it takes up entire songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you see where I'm coming from. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. But it's, I, mean, I think I think it's a really good track. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, like a really good one. And I think like with you talking specifically about like the, uh, you know the more sung vocals that sort of in, intersperse things. I think if we move on to my plague, that comes very obvious. It's the first time yep. you can really sort of like hear Corey singing, I suppose, um, especially on the chorus on this one. This is one of the singles as well. Yeah, this is the yeah. second single. Yeah, it I think. was, yep, that one with the um, Resident Evil Apocalypse video. <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh, no, not re- no, it wasn't Apocalypse. It was the first film. Sorry, the oh, Apocalypse. No. Apocalypse was Kill Switch. <laughs> oh, was that um, end of end of heartache? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one where they, they. That's the one where they they took out all of the the verses, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, are they, are they get rid of all the the screamy bits? Yeah, yeah. Well, they do a very similar thing actually with My Plague. Um, there's a new abortion mix. It's called, which is the single mix, and they Delightful. basically just. Corey re-recorded all his vocals so that he's singing them they did a very similar thing with Wait and Bleed where the verses are sort of sung or like spoken instead of screamed and they do a very similar thing with My Plague the verses are sort of sung instead of screamed um, like on the album version so yeah it's interesting that screaming has never really made it mainstream has it? Yeah, I think it, it is a barrier for a lot of people I think and um, despite the fact that there's lots of you know non- sort of melodious lyrics out there like rapping and spoken word and things um, that are accepted I think screaming because there's the barrier of you can't really make out what they're saying I think Mm -hmm. that really is like quite a difficult thing for a lot of people to overcome Um, so yeah but it's always interesting to see like how things are adapted to make them a little bit more radio friendly I think like certainly whenever I first started getting into the the heavier side of metal into like melodic death and stuff screaming was a barrier to me adopting it and it it takes a while to train you on that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when you when I think about something like um, I don't know, like Jester Race or any of my favorite Melodeath albums, like that is a yeah. 
that's that's an assault and I think it, it does take you a while to, to train your ears to it to yeah, understand yeah, what the vocals are doing and one of the things that so we've got um, one of the things Apple Music has added is they give you a new music mix like Spotify do every Friday okay that's and, I, and I was really struck by how all of the new metal songs it's just this kind of pig grunting noises it's going oh yeah, 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 yeah. and um and then uh and flames brought a new song out the other day i was like oh this is so much better <laughs> it's like at least it's a different type of screaming yeah yeah um and that that's one thing about okay you might not like the screaming vocal, but i think slipknot do it very well yeah absolutely. They, do, they do the mix i think they get the mix right because mm. there there are there are parts in the songs where it is it is quite sort of growly and things like that but i think that especially with this track mm-hmm. to keep it radio friendly and to make it like so they they've really perfected the art i think of you know putting together this this you know for the time a a, a, a quite heavy track yeah, yeah yeah that that is you know that people will play on just on the radio yeah, yeah. it's the structure of it as well isn't it it's a very sort of verse chorus verse chorus bridge yeah. chorus kind of structure um which is more traditional and yeah, I, I totally understand why you picked this one as a single. Um, but yeah, the first single they picked off this, which we haven't got to yet, um, is I was very surprised actually by you picking that one as a single. But we'll get to that. Um, so shall we move on to the next song? Because um, yeah. I like yeah, this song. Oh yeah. The only thing I was going to say before we move on from my plague is that again, their their lyrics are universally dreadful, and I don't think that they're dreadful because of the the content. Mm. Like I think you know, slitting people's throats and fucking the wound isn't great. It's not. It's not something I would I would personally choose to do. Um, but I think it's the. There's something about a lack of insight and possibly a lack of sincerity that I don't like about it. Yeah, it feels like it feels a bit like like a horror movie, almost like a put on. Yeah, well, it's like I say, like if you take it at face value and just say, like, right, the music's obnoxious, so the vocals should be obnoxious as well. I think it, it I can let it go a little bit because I kind of know what they're trying to do stylistically. Um, but yeah, you do have to kind of ignore the fact that there is like no nuance whatsoever then, to the vocals. <laughs> I think I think the thing too is that when you think about this in the context of listening to it when you're 15. Yeah, yeah. And we were at um, so we have a writers group that we go to in Oxford, and we were there last night. And basically, the whole premise of the evening was to read out things that we like the first things that we ever wrote. Mm. And one of the um, one of the guys that was there was reading out some some old poetry. He was right. also at the Slipknot gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so you listen to his old poetry from when he was like 15, 16, and it's just like it's absolutely dreadful. Like it's cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. But I think the way I am when, dead. I am a murderer. When you're when you're that age, and I think that that's that's the thing that always gets me when I when I re-listen to all of this stuff. It's like you know, no matter no matter how far time can go, I can still sort of regress and just be like, oh my god, this is like even though it's completely it's completely horrible. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> realize it's completely horrible but it's just like it's like a time machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah no absolutely i get that completely yeah it's it's an interesting thing isn't it to come back to mm-hmm. but yeah um so yeah moving on i suppose um mm-hmm. we've got everything ends you are wrong fucked and overrated i think i'm gonna be sick and it's your fault this is the end of everything you are the end of everything. I haven't slept since I woke up and found my whole life was alive, motherfucker. This is the end of everything. You are the end of everything. We 
which uh, has my favourite introduction on the album. <laughs> You're all f- wrong, fucked and overrated. I think I'm going to be sick and it's your fault. <laughs> Again, just no nuance whatsoever, but it done off grab your attention. Um, yeah, I think that this was definitely one of the the most popular tracks. Oh, I can imagine on. everybody oh, yeah. singing along to this one. God, um, this was the one we were. Def- I was definitely screaming. <laughs> it's so like yeah. I think like um, vocally, like the structure of this one, um, I think is one of the most memorable songs on the album. Um, again, I know it's pretty obnoxious and not particularly artistic in any way, but um, it's just so memorable. It's so catchy. Oh, I think I, this is a bit more new metal. Yeah, they, yeah, I get they, that. They, they, because a lot of the vocals are delivered quite staccato and yeah, rappy, yeah. Um, and including the subject matter as well. I think this is actually a good way of illustrating the Slipknot twist on the new metal stylings. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think you're pretty much onto the on <laughs> hit the nail on the head with that one. I mean, there's a lot of like I love you, hate, and all this stuff, and it's just like yeah. it's very sort of angsty teenage kid lyrics but um yeah i just I, i've got a really big soft spot for everything and it's just such a memorable song it is undeniably catchy <laughs> yeah. um, i think again if you if you compare this to some of the tracks off the first album you'll really see how the the band sound has evolved like one of the best songs off their first album is uh surfacing which is very much yeah like, yeah i love surfacing and, such a great song. and sur- that's uh, my brother's uh his uh weightlifting song <laughs> and, um, yeah i can see that yeah yeah but it does have more of like a sort of screechy high pitched guitar, more sampling and stuff like that. It's very yeah, different yeah. to this, which again is sludgy, yeah. dense, percussive. It's very, very, very different. It's a similar kind of energy expressed in a very different way. Mm, it's very groovy, like as a, as a record. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say as well, like um, production wise, how do you feel about this one? Because this is obviously a Ross Robinson produced album, synonymous with a lot of new metal stuff. Produced Korn's debut. He's basically been sort of attached to a lot of like that new wave of heavy metal style um, stuff. And, uh, um, I, I think the production's pretty good. I think yeah. their next album is Rick Rubin, who's like it one is, of my all-time yeah. least favourite producers. <laughs> well, um, see, I think Ross Robinson's pretty over-recommended. like I think uh, there's something about him. Like I think Iowa in particular is probably what I would say was his pinnacle. Um, mm-hmm. There's it, It's... It's bizarrely bright for such a heavy record. You can you can you can catch all the elements of the sound, and it's yeah. it's very sort of it's very easy to absorb in that sense. But I feel like often he he underproduces things quite a lot. Um, he obviously did the first album as well, which um, oh, okay. is a very different style as well. He he did um, Cancer Bat's latest album, Searching for Zero, and I was really disappointed with that. It sounds like enormously underproduced it sounds like demos and yeah it's a bit strange he did like um the corn album where they sort of return to their normal sound uh corn three remember who you are and that's okay. that suffers from that as well that's very sort of underproduced and a bit sort of meh but yeah iowa for me is just like well he's really hit the nail on the head here <laughs> like, he really no, understands I think, I think this band very well yeah i think i think it's really bang on mm. and probably I think the the biggest success in the production is that it feels like a wall of sound without being overwhelming. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's definitely and that's that's thing. very hard to do, right? Because it could have easily like you can you can pick out all the individual elements when you you whenever you need to. Yeah, there are bits when the bass creeps in. I think, as you said, Jess, the mm-hmm. vocals are they're sometimes they're at the forefront, other times they're not, but they're always where they where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a very good point actually. It's actually quite interesting that we've chosen this one off the back of doing Strapping Young Lad because that's a that's a very similar sort of 
um, environment where like there's a there's an awful lot going on production wise like there's a big wall of noise happening and it's yeah. all very sort of easy to absorb like the production on both those records on these records is like fantastic I guess a strapping young lad sounds like a chainsaw going off in an aircraft <laughs> yeah. hangar which is probably fair this is like um, it's like somebody beating together cans in an abattoir <laughs> it's the chainsaw entering flesh <laughs> there you and then go. somebody coming then somebody coming in and fucking the wind <laughs> jesus uh, this is really not uh really not suitable for kids eh? <laughs> no it isn't at all right uh it's the satan song next So I think I think this is probably the closest that the album gets to actually saying anything meaningful. Yeah, true. Because to me, well, my interpretation of this, and it's the only interpretation I have of a Slipknot song, because mm. they they do kind of you know wear their heart in their sleeve. Yeah. Um, this one seems to be about their brushings with fame and people talking about them. You know being heretics to an extent yeah and i can they, see that. they seem family unfriendly and that that's what it's about mm. and um but um what does the chorus actually mean apart from them getting to say 666 what does if you're 555 then i'm 666 what does somebody <laughs> why would anybody describe themselves as 555 yeah i it, it's basically a setup to say 666 i mean there's there's plenty of hymn lyrics where they do that as well so you know <laughs> true, yeah. um there's definitely something on um deep shadows where it's like Seven 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 six six six. If I remember correctly, um, just for the hell of being being able to use that number. Um, well, sure, him him did. Um, sure, their their first album's Greatest Love Songs, Volume Six Six Six. Yeah, it? and then there's your and Sweet then, Six 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 to begin with. Yeah, and they also um, <laughs> him do the, the really annoying thing where there's like sixty six tracks on their first album. Yeah, just for the hell but, of it. it but most runs, of them are just run, yeah. If I correctly, it runs for sixty six minutes as well. Um, specifically, it's <laughs> <laughs> overkill a little bit there. Um, so yeah. So I you're think, saying you're saying as him fans, it would be hypocritical of us to take the piss out of Slipknot for <laughs> yeah. him day. Very okay, much so. Okay, yeah, fair. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll concede that. Um, but yeah, the Heretic Anthem is such a good song. Um, again, like like everything ends, it's really, really memorable. Um, it's 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 one of the two. It's one of the two songs that I I think sort of encapsulates this record for me. Um, it has all those elements of the sound. It's very intense. It's very heavy. It's very in your face. But at the same time chorus is infinitely the one of the most memorable on the record and it's just a great time it's a really good like moshy metal song i think it just encapsulates slipknot as well yeah like, yeah absolutely when, when you think about the band you know even like sort of all of the the stuff that they've done that's kind of the iconic like those lyrics and i guess i mean it's the same with everything everything ends like they've mm. they've got this album i think has more sort of iconic slipknot than I think any other does. Yeah, like absolutely. It's got those iconic lines and those sort of iconic riffs and that, that sort of, it really encapsulates the, the Slipknot feel, I think. And I think what people think you know what people think a Slipknot person would like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, and 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 gr- and growing up, like being into this kind of music and like you know explaining it to like my family and stuff. Like this was what they. This was the pinnacle of it. Yeah, he's yeah. using the th- he's using the throat wound as a, as a metaphor for uh, society. Yeah, honest mum, please, mum, no, no, mum, don't take my CDs away, Dad. Uh, 
what was it? What was it you'd said that? Um, was it you said about disaster piece? We were talking about this earlier. You said that um, it's a, it's the kind of song you could mosh to on your own in your bedroom. <laughs> oh no, no no! This was um, it was everything ends. I basically said that it's um, it's so confrontational that it, it makes it would make you want to start a fight in an empty room. Like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's that confrontational. Like it's just stop looking at me. The musical <laughs> it's the the musical equivalent of adrenaline. Like you just sort of want to start like makes you want to start punching something. Oh god, you're you're full of all the quotes today. They should be using you for the box. <laughs> I had, I had to warn Jess before we started because we did the thing that you and I do. You start talking about the album before we record. It's like, save it, save the gems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Down. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. But yeah, um, all right. I think we're going to move into the part of the record where I think it starts to lose itself a bit. So, um, uh, for so me, anyway. We've got, uh-huh. Yeah, so next we've got Gently. Which um, is very it's like, just atmospheric. It's, kind of like, it's like space rock or something. Yeah, it's really, yeah. uh, um, and so we. This seems to happen in every album we cover, where you get the the mid album. I oh, should probably put a put a slow one in. Yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> and I think sometimes a breather is okay, mm. but for me, this really kills the momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and whenever we covered City, um, we really liked that it was just full on pretty much the whole way through the yeah, album, yeah. Um, and I think. I think it depends if you really want a breather, but I don't think Slipknot fans necessarily do. No, no, especially and if you're going to just like have five, six songs, you know, like just back wall to wall, like bangers back to back, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, right now we need to take a rest, and it's like, oh, no, we don't. You don't. <laughs> I think if you could have, you know, trim the fat off a lot of this record, you would have had an absolute blast of an album um but yeah this would be okay at the very end yeah, of the album yeah it could have just shift uh, that it is an nitro track that they've stuck in the middle yeah it? yeah and it's i mean like the the song at the end is very similar actually in in style um maybe a little bit longer yeah but generally is actually one of the songs that appears on their very very first demo album it's re-recorded on this and that's quite interesting as well because um Iowa is also the first album that Jim Root actually contributes complete writing to because on the first album it was actually uh, most of it was written and performed by Josh Brainard who was their original guitarist and he left mm-hmm. during the recording process of the, of the debut and um, Jim jo- joined right at the end and I think he only contributed writing and play into like one or two songs uh, one of them in Purity which isn't even on the original release it's like a bonus track um, so yeah this is his first like major contribution to Slipknot on like a complete album um, which is interesting as well, and yeah, gently is it comes from before his time. So yeah, that's quite interesting that it's here um, because, yeah, like I say, this is sort of Josh Reynard original era because it's off the de- demo record. Um, I'm actually quite interested to hear their um, debut one because apparently it's a really interesting mashup of styles and there's like almost like jazz fusion and stuff going on in there. And- such a bonkers record, honestly. It is worth listening to just. To like how did Slipknot come from this to this you know um, but there is a lot of you, you can hear the elements like that that sort of become them later um, but it is a very very much a different band and I can add like it was released initially like supposedly supposed to be their debut record 
Um, and they've since sort of like gone back on that and said like, no, no, it's a demo. And I, I agree that they sort of should push back on that because it is a very, very different record. It doesn't thematically sort of sit with the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's totally worth listening to just because it is such an interesting, weird record. But yeah, gently comes from that era. Um, they've given it a little bit more in- instrumentation. Like it has a bit more of a riff going on on this version as opposed to the original one, which is very sort of just texture and atmosphere. Um, which this one totally still has. It's just that uh, they've tried to so- songify it, I suppose. <laughs> songify. <laughs> Making up words, God. Um, but yeah, Songify it's... just sounds like some kind of like startup. <laughs> God. <laughs> Pretty sure it's an app, actually. Um, <laughs> songify. Shazam. But, well, yeah, totally. It's got that sort of quality to it, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's it's not a, f- a particularly standout, That's memorable song, uh, is it? It's a load of guff. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, next up, we've got the other single, which is Left Behind. I ignore Which so, is, uh, yeah, the first introduction to a lot of people's experience with this record. Um, because, yeah, that was released pre the album. Um, it's a fucking heavy track, isn't it? <laughs> uh, for, a ch- for a choice of a single, I'm, again, I'm really surprised they chose this because it's one of the most intense songs on the record. I wouldn't say it was, like, one of the most memorable, but, like... It's I, think, still... I think it's a bit more radio friendly. It is more. Think, it yeah, is more melodic because because of the basically the vocals are clean throughout. They're they're, they're Bas- not quite. Almost, yeah, they're they're, they're they're clean for this yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. they haven't had yeah. to. They haven't had to mess around with the vocals at any point to make a radio version for this, which I suppose mm-hmm. shows you that the vocals are a little bit more um, acceptable for like a radio audience, I suppose. But um, and it still has that same like sort of verse chorus verse and it's a very sort of memorable and i think i think that's the thing they've they've picked and you can see the ones they've picked as singles yeah are obviously all of the ones that are that are quite memorable and they are quite you know sort of easy to just headbang to yeah, and yeah. it's quite it's you know it's quite widely appreciated i think it is a bit of a wreck wreck the house song oh it? god mm-hmm. i mean like house, house party metal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> If it, I mean, it's, it's it's quite interesting that you say that because the video was obviously does quite match that like visually very well because it's a lot of like playing in a house and it gets destroyed by the rain and stuff. Oh, and was that was that? Uh, uh, there was one where they was it duality. That duality is the one they, where they actually do they got their friends. Yeah. Yeah. They wreck the house. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I'm thinking of it that way. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I really I really like this track. I it's think a it's great one of my favorite song. ones on really, it. Really but I do song. tend to like more melodic stuff. Mm. Um, it's the uh, riff for me at the start. I love that sort. It's got that really sort of grindy, like biting, almost like biker metal-y style at the start. Do you, know like- what, do you know what it reminds me of? Like, and a lot of this album, because it is, it is kind of a little bit, you know, nightmare-inducing and creepy. Yeah. The start, the starting riff kind of reminds me of like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, yeah, so everyone, yeah. I can hear that. Everyone listening to this now is going to be like, oh, because I do that every time someone even mentions that. But that's, <laughs> but that's what that's what makes this track so great. And I think it's really, it's really interesting that like. It was it was pushed out as being so mainstream at the time when it came out too because yeah, it yeah. actually it's quite it's quite brutal. Yeah, it's a really heavy song, honestly. Yeah, again, it again, gets gets the gets the creep factor in uh-huh. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots, good, lots of atmosphere. Song. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think like if you wanted to introduce people to to Slipknot, this is probably a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't be like, oh, listen to this uh, disaster piece. <laughs> yeah, you I like mean, it, mom. You like it. Happy Christmas. <laughs> it's it's. I suppose it's the most approachable, like um, heavy track on this record. I suppose. It's like Slipknot for your nan. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe no, not. That's probably not. that's probably snuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so after this, we we just slide into and yeah. yeah the 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 shit back half. Yeah, it it really does sort of lose itself. I quite like the shape. I think it's good. I quite like the shape too. Dull verses. That's the, I think that's his real problem. They're very sort of like spoken, and there's a lack of instrumentation. They're not very memorable, um, but it does pick up in the chorus. The um, chorus is quite good, and it's a bit industrial. It's, it's yeah, yeah. almost nine nine inch nailsy kind of a sound to it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we've got I am hated, which I would say is the most like the first album. It's very rapped and it's got that sort of like mm-hmm. dun, 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 dun. It's and got scratchy that, and yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. It's uh, it's I like it. It's um it but it is very much like almost we're sort of like devolving a little bit. It's very much the, the yeah, it's, got, it's got some um it's got some interesting drum fills yeah yeah no it's it's but at, but at this point in the album i was really starting to feel quite tired yeah yeah and then we get skin <laughs> ticket which is pretty there's nothing really worth Six, stand out on this one just... So um, what was it? I've got I've got a, a jazz quote written down oh, here. Go on, you can you can read this out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just weird whispering fucking psycho. <laughs> but it is like I yeah. think when I was saying before about how you know this album can be a little bit like nightmare inducing. Yeah, like yeah. this could be you know some creepy horror. This could be you know like all of those clowns running around like in the in the news right now. That that is this is what they'd be playing on their phones. I've come to collect my skin ticket. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, again, I don't, I can't like shit on it too much because I quite like the fact that there's a lot of sort of texture and ambience to this sort of stuff, and I think it's yeah. interesting to hear that side of the band because it does put, sort of permeate their later stuff, especially All Hope mm-hmm. Is Gone and and Volume Three. There's a lot more sort of like ambience, like it's like let's not go completely balls to the wall all the time, you know. Like, let's let's mm-hmm. think about how we can in, interpret that in a way that works with the music. But unfortunately, because this song is just that. It kind of doesn't have anything that grabs you, and I'm surprised as well because they actually performed this song live. If you got the, uh, I think it's nine. Um, what's it? Uh, nine live. Yeah, it's on the second disc as like a live mm-hmm. performance, and I'm like, you'd you'd really want to play this live to an audience? I think it's gonna you know they're gonna fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> um, like instrumentation wise, it's just there's not much going on. Um, that was a bit. That was a bit of a strange choice yeah. for a live. And record. then we kind of get the same sort of thing with new abortion and metabolic. 
they're very sort of just run of the mill. A new, new abortion is quite new metally, and it brings the speed yeah. back up, but it doesn't really make a lick of sense, like no. lyrically. <laughs> It just doesn't like strike me as anything particularly memorable in any way. It's it's not something I'd ever recommend to anybody to listen to on its own, which is at odds with an awful lot of the first half of this record, which is just like listen to this song, listen to this song, listen to this song. Yeah, I think this is, this is the problem with it is that it, I think, and I mean we've we've said this before with other albums, but if they had cut this down from, I think it's six over an hour long and if it's 66 minutes and yeah. if you've gone full him but it's it's well over an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah but if they had chopped out a bit of the but i think if they chopped out the i am hated skin ticket stuff yeah and brought it down to about 45 minutes that would be it would be perfect been, yeah absolutely yeah. i completely agree with you on that one um and metabolic as well i i, I can't even remember metabolic and i listened to it yesterday yeah. um, <laughs> um you, you got anything to say about metabolic Jess? no basically this whole back half of the albums just you kind do of lose like, yourself a little bit you sort on this of, one. Yeah. yeah it's a shame um and then to end we get the title track which is another re-recording from make kill free repeat <laughs> Uh, originally called Killers Are Quiet on the first album, and uh, now it's called Iowa. Now it's called Iowa. It's I I don't mind Iowa actually because I quite like that there's a very obvious riff that is always there, and it gives it that sort of driving quality, a little bit sort of subdued, um, and it's it's sort of, I think it's a bass riff actually. I think it's um, mm-hmm. Paul's like do mm. do do do. Uh, you get that like throughout the whole song, and it 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 feels like the way the album should end, and that's why I quite like it. I don't yeah. think this album could have ended on a real rager because yeah. no. it would have just felt really abrupt when it stopped. I think it needs this sort of lingering creepiness to to, to end it because I think it, yeah, it really kind of encompasses. But I don't know. I don't know that it works outside the album though. Like if it was just yeah, yeah, absolutely just listening to this song by yeah, itself, yeah. it's like you said. You know, it's that sort of slow ending for it. But mm. I'm not sure it works. As a standalone, as the other, uh, as I mean, some we, other we I can agree the, with that. We yeah. hung out the washing to Iowa this morning, <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think I think that says a lot about you know domestication over the years. It used to be your mum coming in with the clean clothes while you're listening to this, and uh, or or you just didn't clean your clothes at all. You're one of those those stinky stinky metalheads used to hang out in Crusties. Belfast Belfast City Centre on a Saturday afternoon. Um, but yeah, it is, it is very long. Yeah, like 15, fifteen fifteen minutes song. Fifteen minutes. Yeah. It, and is there's no like I I assumed like when I, when I see the song length I'm like oh there's going to be a silence in a secret track at the end no no it's just one no, solid piece of music I'm just, like oh okay um, <laughs> so I I mean fair play to writing a song that long but uh, at the same time it does really drag on unnecessarily but it's sort of it's sort of like I when I when I sort of see songs that long as well it kind of reminds me of like. You know, when you're in your first band in high school and you were doing band practice and yeah, you were yeah. like recording a massive long song because you're like, this is so amazing, everyone's going to love it. <laughs> and then you re-listen to it again. And it was obviously really fun for them to play. Yeah, yeah. It was obviously really fun to create and that's why it is that long. Mm. But it's kind of, I guess, outside of that, you sort of, you lose a lot of that kind of, that sort of in-depth 
because it's not you playing it. Yeah. And so I'm I'm guilty of doing songs like that. I'm pretty sure they're on an EP somewhere buried, so no one can ever hear them. But it's like you know, it's the, stuff- I, the I hit my family EP. <laughs> No, 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 never, <laughs> never. But it's, but it's, yeah, it's like it's those kind of those kind of things that obviously there was some reasoning as to why. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was that long, um, and that, I guess that's why I would think it would be that long. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting that they have put in a couple of songs recorded in previous albums because, by to according to all accounts, the actual recording process of this was pretty torturous. Yeah, Corey yeah. Taylor was going through serious alcohol addiction loads of the band members had drug addictions and yeah, yeah. If, if you go into the research archives which of course i mean wikipedia um, <laughs> apparently he was like oh he was cutting himself on the floor and Gosh, throwing up yeah, while yeah. he was recording iowa and it's like you listen to it and think really yeah i mean that maybe that is just you know what they told kerrang for the purpose of shifting it making it, himself seem edgy yeah i can see that a little bit um there's a very very good documentary that comes with the 10th anniversary edition um on dvd that's worth checking out because it, it basically sort of talks about the process of recording the record and the touring cycle for it and things um and it's very heartfelt as well because the 10th anniversary edition of the record was released after paul dying and okay. um they mention it quite a lot and uh, there's a there's a there's a scene in particular where they're interviewing joey and he's he just sort of like he's trying to say something meaningful about the record and he just can't get it out because he's obviously he's tearing up about paul and stuff and he's just like he just he just ends the question with i was the heaviest album ever made and this is paul's legacy and then he fucks off and it's just like (laughs) it's it's like you can see it was still very raw at that point and it's like it it's i it's strange because in that context of them sort of like still sort of mourning over him and to then discuss an album like this bleak and this dark mm-hmm. um it really sort of yeah it's it's quite it's strange how that works strangely well in that in, to- in that context um but yeah it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that as well like this feels like a jam because um it reminded me of um the the debut limp biscuit records three three dollar bill ends on a jam song called everything and i think that's a really really long song and it's very much like this in that style it's sort of just texture and atmosphere um and yeah it's it's obviously just a new metal thing that people were doing at the time just <laughs> stick a jam on the end that's that'll, that'll work um but yeah it's it's a perfectly acceptable ending to the record i think it's the way it should have ended but like you say mm-hmm. it doesn't stand as it's as a song on its own i don't think so I guess the real question is, does Iowa stand the test of time? Is it indeed the the heaviest album ever recorded? <laughs> they, uh, at the time of recording this, I haven't listened to everything, but uh, okay. so we'll get the, maybe we'll revisit this in 30 years. But I think it is still a very heavy album. Mm-hmm. I think it's their best record, even to this day. I think, if I, if I think about Slipknot albums as albums... Um, a lot of the other records have singles and not so many mm-hmm. good album tracks. Whereas I think Iowa has the best ratio of singles and album tracks. Um, like, I mean, like we say, the last half does sort of lose itself a little bit. It probably drags on a little bit too long. But there's so many good songs like early on. Like, I, th- I think once we get up to Left Behind, the, it, it, it feels like you've really gone on a journey and you've you've absorbed like some great songs um and that's a good you know that's like i say that's eight tracks up until that point and that that's that's a pretty solid yeah um, yeah, yeah definitely set of songs. and i think that it, it definitely stands the test of time with that as well yeah yeah absolutely if you, 
if you look at their their sort of discography as it stands, like I I completely agree that I would pick out Iowa as the one as the like the pinnacle of yeah, what yeah. is a Slipknot album. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same. Uh, I I was never into them that much in the day to, <laughs> to say whether it's a definitive album or not, but I think it definitely does stand the test of time. And certainly the first the first eight or so tracks, yeah, yeah, um, are um, uh, it's, it just feels a bit unstoppable. I think that's what yeah. lets down the back half. I mean, that's okay because you can always just stop listening at that point, which I imagine many people did. Um, <laughs> But I, I think yeah, it still holds up really well. There's yeah, one yeah. thing I really, there's one thing I really love about it. Um, and when I was listening to this album again, um, during the week at work, it's it's really nice because um, it was actually the like sort of my boss's boss had come up behind me to ask me a question, and I'm pretty sure that he saw I was listening to Slipknot, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but but it, it kind of makes you feel like, and especially if you sort of have that kind of connection to the album, you're listening to it when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. It kind of like. It kind of makes you feel like it sort of transports you back to that point in your life. Yeah. You realize like I'm I'm a, I'm a proper adult now, and I remember I was in um in Barcelona in a in a metal bar, and um I was sitting with Alan, and I kind of just turned to him and said to him like, "Oh my God, have I have I sold out? Like, am I, <laughs> am I, am I? I was the only person wearing a, an actual shirt with a collar, and they the punk rock bar. <laughs> and like so. I, I think the the good the, the thing that I love about this album, sort of just as a whole, is it it kind of does it makes you question sometimes, like you know, oh who who am I anymore? But but it's interesting. <laughs> am because, I wrong? Fucking yeah. overrated. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, as a you know, sort of ten years later, listening to this at you know at twenty four rather than at fourteen, it's sort of like well, holy shit, like yeah, am I? What, what's the difference? But it, it's still. You can still pick up all of those all of those riffs that you knew yeah, yeah, ten years ago, and it's like it's never changed. Which I think it's that's the kind of measure of whether an album stands the test of time or not is mm. is whether or not you kind of you know sort of roll your eyes and go, oh God, did I really listen to this? Yeah, or yeah. you can listen to it again and be like, yes, this is yeah. this is fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I also also think that we've all come from kind of different backgrounds of listening to this you guys listened to it when it first came out yeah. i just kind of rolled, rolled my eyes and didn't bother <laughs> but i could come back to it now and really enjoy it i think that does mm-hmm. yeah that does suggest to me that it, it does indeed stand the test of time mm. i totally so. have the same thing with jess it's like like when i put it on it's not like cringy it's like mm-hmm. yes this is my youth and then i have a bedroom mosh and it's all a good time i definitely have some cringy stuff like uh, there's definitely some cringy stuff that will de- get into it another point yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. need to come back yeah. we need to come back to the evanescence sometime because <laughs> oh, i saw a lot of uh, a lot of kid kid jess photos in uh, in australia excellent so stuff. now we need to do our it, would, it wouldn't be an episode of Cast Iron without doing the usual guess each other's favorite tracks. This is going to be difficult, difficult in a in a in a triangle. Um, how do we how do we guess who's? I think <laughs> we should guess yours, and then you can guess ours because I'm pretty okay, sure my right. favorite's the same as Jess's. Okay. Um, okay, hold on. We're just going to confer for a second. Okay, we okay right. Jess, you can go for it. Go for it. Okay, so we think that your favorite is Disaster Piece. You're wrong. Oh, oh no! <laughs> my my favourite is the Heretic Anthem. Oh, oh okay, okay. Um, so yeah, him, him fan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, I'm gonna say that I think. So you say you both have got the same song. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Everything Ends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. 
it's it would be it would have been between those two for me as well. I I initially yeah. thought Everything Ends is probably my favorite, and then I remember the Heretic Anthem, and I love the build. I love seeing the show on the Disaster Pieces DVD, and like how they sort of build up and then they get the flames at the start and it's just like oh this is such good like visually it matches the song so well <laughs> oh, that's amazing uh, next time next time they tour you definitely have to come with us yeah maybe maybe <laughs> i see this is the thing i'm very precious about this lineup and i'm like i don't know if i want to see them with not the right drummer and not the right bassist yeah, you know no. um but i do i do feel like i do need to see slipknot at some point because they are like quite important to my growth into metal and stuff and like i say this was very sort of gateway for me um Mm -hmm. getting into heavier stuff um so yeah i I do owe it a lot of favors and i think i should probably see them at some point but uh and i think having having seen them in the two different lineups um, they do they do both put on a, a like you know a, a pretty comparable like amazing show yeah, yeah. Like, i think i think there's there's nothing quite like you know people sort of jumping off massive like you know snare drums yeah, yeah, into yeah. the crowd and it's just <laughs> like it's, it's 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 something special it really is mm. <laughs> no it needs to happen i think at some point but yeah it's yeah. just one of those things it's like god this that that lineup's never going to make a record again and that was yeah. really no. for me as well like i don't know alan have you listened to the latest slip album at all Mm, yeah, not that much. No, um, it's, I, it's it's a very sort of. It's like they're trying to impersonate Iowa, and not like it's not the same the, band what's that's the made, that made Iowa. That? Is it um, negative one? Negative one. Devil and I yeah. as well was another one. Um, I quite like Devil the Devil neg- and I's okay. I quite like the negative yeah. one because it's very sort of Iowa esque in its sort of composition. Um, but it's just as an album, it's not very memorable, and again, it suffers from being incredibly bastard long, um, mm. which just. There's obviously a Slipknot thing. We just make really long records for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. key to their artistic integrity. So, <laughs> so once somebody has exhausted the Slipknot back catalogue and, and moshed, moshed, bedroom moshed their own head into their wall, uh, what album would you recommend for them to go to next? Right, okay. Um, I had a bit of a hard time picking for this one because I was like, shall I pick something that's, I, I suppose, like that sounds similar? Because I, I don't want to like mention... Because the things that come to my head with like m- music this dense is Strapping Young Lad and Full of Hell, which I've already mentioned in the previous episode because we did that on Strapping Young Lad and one of the records. Yeah, I need a broad new taste. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like because I don't really listen to an awful lot of like really dense like wall of noisy style metal. Um, so yeah, those were the two that came to mind. But then I was like, I'd like to approach it as Slipknot being a gateway metal band and that was so the way I started listening to metal so the two albums I've chosen are by what I would regard as other gateway metal bands not necessarily they they sound similar to Slipknot but just yeah like that they, they they sort of they they would help someone get into heavy music basically so the first one I've chosen is Untouchables by Korn which is one of my favorite Korn albums um, and probably their darkest and most sort of consistent um, a very sort of low, down-tuned, sort of groovy metal album, which I, we've mentioned obviously quite a lot talking about Slipknot. Um, it's not as intense. It's not very, the corn don't make fast music, to be honest with you. Um, what are what are some of the the songs I might have heard off that? Because I've certainly heard of the album. But... Uh, Here to stay is the big ah, the big one okay. of that one. Yeah. Uh, Thoughtless. That was, that was... Is another one. Here to Stay was quite big on Kerrang yeah. back in the day. I love Here to Stay. It's an amazing song. Um, but yeah, that album in particular has a very, that sort of a groovy, sort of slow, um, down tuned element to it is, is like permeates the whole record. And that, 
that's why I'd recommend it in you know in light of Slipknot, which has somewhat of that element in 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 their in their sound. Uh, and then the other one is something a little bit more fast-paced, um, but again, very much a gateway band, System of a Down, and I'm going to choose uh, their self-titled album over Toxicity because I think the self-titled is very sort of wild and a bit uh, off the off the hook, and uh, <laughs> it just kind of like does its own thing, and it's got the it's very varied. It's got a lot of weird songs. It's got some real slow sort of moody stuff like Spiders, um, but then it has stuff like Sweet Pea and Sugar, which are all just bonkers and off the Sugar's off the wall. Sugar's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Sugar's yeah. another house, house mosh song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, like it's sort of it it sits with that vibe of like Slipknot's sort of weirdo rebellion kind of thing going on, and it's like yeah, it does feel like it's somewhat against the the mold of metal at the time, and yeah, that's that was why I decided to choose that one. See, I, with, with System of a Down, I think my favourite System album, I, is it, I get this mesmerised. Mesmerize yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with and you completely. And one of them is really good and one of them is dreadful. And Mesmerise <laughs> is the good one, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Mesmerise is the one with BYOB, I think. That's the and one. Hypnotise is the one that's just a load of guff. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you on that one. But it was just like, thematically, I think the self-titled System album is a little bit more slipknotty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas I think... Uh, as songwriters, the system have really progressed by well, when we get to mesmerize. They're actually making songs at that point. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So my pick is relatively similar band to Slipknot, but okay. I think it ends a different place, um, and that is Mudvayne's "The End of All Things." Okay, I'm trying to remember um, what's on "The End of All Things." Uh, what's the song called? Um, "Not Falling" was probably the big okay. single. Off okay. Um, so uh, Mudvayne are famous for two things. Um, the first thing is there's a really good YouTube video where a guy does a, a fake death scream over uh, the video to dig. And it's still one of my all-time, all-time favorite YouTube videos. Uh, link me up to that. That's uh, really brilliant. Put I'm it in gonna, the show notes. I'm going to make a note to put it in the show notes. Because it is, I, I just laugh every time. Yeah. And hopefully it'll make me laugh too. I actually Let's haven't see. heard the end of all things to come. I'm looking it up now. The one I'm, yeah, the one I've heard is the one with dig on it. Um, which What's the, oh, which is um, is that lost in no, that's the, no that's Austin the one before after it. yeah it might just be um, called Mudvayne no or no it is LD fifty LD fifty that's the one yeah that's, with the that's like classic yeah classic classic Mudvayne yep yeah that's the, that's the only one I've heard unfortunately but yeah um, so and end of all things is good and it is it's two thousand and two year after Iowa I think it's a bit more a bit more groovy and a bit more like the more songs rather than just you know. Yeah, bursts yeah. of madness but i think they are quite musically talented i think the good lyrics really good bass riff to it i was gonna say bass it. because i always remember watching i think it's the video to happy and like the bassist yeah. has this lovely tapping technique which i'm just that's like on, that's on lost and found yeah, yeah. I, I would i would i would argue that um that lost and found has more of that kind of that kind of melodic sort of the the, the sort of there's a lot more light and cut. There's a lot more light and shade. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Found. Okay. Like you've okay. got like fall into sleep. Absolutely amazing track. Mm. Um, choices, which is really quite screamy and quite grungy. Mm. Classic Jess listening to this when she was 15 <laughs> and like reliving my life. So it's, it's absolutely amazing I think album. Take take home messages. Just because they're called Mudvayne doesn't mean they're not not a not a good band. Um, so what's your what's your recommendation, Jess? So. I would say I would say just Mudvayne Lost and Found as well, like definitely <laughs> definitely that one. Um, but something that sort of came out around a similar time, so two thousand and three. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of I think a pinnacle of it's it's different new metal I think. Yeah. Um, is conf- it's called Confession by El Nino. 
Oh, oh okay. Yeah. That's an interesting and, choice. And so yeah. I've, I've seen them live a couple of times too. And I think that like they're, it's it's quite interesting because a lot of the, their the sort of language creeps into it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that having the Spanish... Spanish. Yeah, so it's it's kind of um, like the the Latin metal sort of, which I guess is probably not that big of a genre, or at least not that big of a genre that I've listened yeah, to. Yeah, the only other band I can really think of would probably be like Breed Seventy Seven or something like that. Ah, uh, yeah, but Breed like, Seventy Seven. They're, they're um, Breed Seventy Seven from Gibraltar. Well, yeah, how, yeah. How can I how can I live and um, this time's for real, like classic yeah, yeah. sort of. They're a lot more they're a lot more melodic, I think, than yeah. Slipknot. But they're really sort of they've they've got that kind of nice breakdown bits in the middle where you can really sort of jump around in a mosh pit and like they're 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 very very good and so um confession by el nino is yeah, my i think we also need to say el, el nino is like an oh. excellent name for oh, a, yeah. an excellent name for a band i wasn't I wasn't mocking your pronunciation oh, okay. i was just saying that is a good like, it almost sounds like a, a spanish rapper's name yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the illest the illest nino <laughs> oh dearie me um I, w- I almost picked as well down the sun um but then I decided against it because I remembered that Clown actually produced that record. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, uh, but that is very sort of a Slipknot S new metal as well. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's just a self-titled record. I think it is. Uh, yeah, Down the Sun. Uh, there's some good songs on that. We All Die, which uh, sounds like a Slipknot song. <laughs> in, in, sounds, in sounds very cheery and upbeat. <laughs> yeah, we All but, Die, yeah. so make the most of your life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's something else to check that's very sort of in the same vein. So that is us until next time. It and, is indeed. And hopefully the next time won't be too long. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, hopefully. <laughs> Apologies, life life got in the way, yada, yada, yada. And um, so yeah. if you if you want to experience more of this, uh, the best thing to do is to leave us a review on iTunes. One day we will make it to the top of the iTunes <laughs> podcast charts. We have had um, a new one, can, actually. I did notice that there's a second review on there now. So thank you very much for oh, who submitted that. that very so we have thing. doubled our reviews since the last <laughs> podcast. Pretty good. Um, Pretty good. Just thinking about it, yeah, it's good statistics. Uh, you can find our entire back catalogue, obviously, on iTunes. You can go to castironshow.co.uk. You can chat to us on Facebook, but nobody does. You can also <laughs> chat to us on Twitter. And some people do. We are at Cast Iron Show. Um, you can also find uh, me on Twitter at AG Bear. Lewis is at Sonic Gouda. And Jess is at Jessica Turner. And I'll put that into the show notes because it's a weird spelling. This is two I's in it. So that, that, that's, that's still unconventional. Okay. <laughs> Did someone take the, the, the single I version? Yeah, yeah. I think I was probably like when Twitter started, I, like my parents didn't make me a Twitter handle. So it's someone else had gotten <laughs> just the normal Jessica Turner. Is that something so that normal parents do is create their, their children Twitter handles? I, I, actually, you, you, you joke but people are taking Twitter handles for babies. And even really? like Facebook, a lot of my friends who've got kids have like Facebook pages for their kids. And oh like, God, I feel I old now. Feel about that in yeah, I, I, I've got bigger. Imagine that. It's bad enough there's pictures of long-haired Alan on Facebook. Imagine picture you know, baby Alan in the bath with his wee baby penis everybody can see. This is, this is this is why growing up in the 90s was good. Everybody, slip knots, yeah. no baby photos on Facebook, it's all there. Everybody knew what music you liked because it was your MSN name. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or your email address. Oh, dear. Well, dear it's been, a, well, it's been well, a very nice trip down memory lane. It has yes. indeed. And Jess, it's been wicked having you on. Like, come back. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you guys do, for having me. Do make sure to say on Twitter that you liked having Jess on the show and then that way we can have her back. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> uh, it's nice. It's nice having a bit of a round table thing going on. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening to this yeah. episode of Cast Iron Show and we will see you next time. See you later. See ya. Bye. Bye.